Today's episode of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast is brought to you by Hostfully, the market leader in digital guidebooks for short-term rental hosts. With Hostfully, you can create a beautiful online guidebook that you can send to your guests so they have a better experience and you get fewer questions. Sign up now at hostfully.com to get two months for free by using code PAD. That's P-A-D. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Welcome to another podcast of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today we're talking about a sexy subject. We're going to talk about how to build your own A-frames, log cabins, and tree houses to rent out on Airbnb. As we all know, uh, that's where travel is heading to in the future. It's all experimental. Everybody wants to have a unique experience. In 10 years from now, if it's not Instagrammable, you know, people don't want it. So it's all about the experience. And uh, who better to talk to than Alex Jarbo? He is an Airbnb super host out of North Carolina, Asheville. And he builds his own A-frames, log cabins, and tree houses. Uh, He's also the host of the YouTube channel, Alex Builds. So we are going to learn all about how you can actually build your own uh, unique construction items. <laughs> I don't know how you uh, call these things. Tiny homes. We call them tiny homes. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah, a little, a little bit in the middle. Yeah. Sweet, man. Sweet. How are you doing? Good. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, uh, I'm excited to learn from you because... You know, me and Eric, my business partner, uh, we are very interested in the tiny home space. We are uh, working on a, a project behind the scenes, uh, actually. So we are super interested in in learning a bit more from you about, you know, how you build these things, like when it comes to the architecture, the materials, the contractors, the financing, and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to dive into it. Uh, do you want to quickly introduce yourself and let us know how you got started on Airbnb with your Tiny homes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started back in 2017. I had gotten out of the military and I had sort of moved over to Asheville, North Carolina. I'm not originally from here, but I, I had come over here because I wanted to become a real estate agent. I had a friend that was doing pretty well in real estate and flipping houses here. Did a couple deals with real estate, uh, being an agent for other people. And I didn't really enjoy it too much. I mean, uh, the money was good, but um, the income wasn't consistent. So I sort of found vacation rentals here. Um, I sort of uh, I signed on to a mentorship course and uh, sort of did the the retail arborage part where it's like a, the the master lease uh, thing for a couple people. Um, made made some good money there. Um, saved up enough money, and then I started looking for a property to purchase. And what I realized, and this is back in 2017, we we were getting into bidding wars. People were starting to really realize how good Airbnb, VRBO, the short-term rental stuff, like how how much money that was making over the, the long-term rental stuff. And I'm just on top of that, other people just moving to the city that were discovering the city. It was skyrocketing the prices of the homes where we were just getting bidded out. And it was just like, it, it was getting to a point and it's still like this where it's like, it, it just didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable paying that much. Say so it's like if the city or the county decided to change their vacation rental rules like overnight or something, there was no way that I could get 
the type of money uh, like to pay my mortgage. That's when we started. Um, that's when I started looking into building. What I quickly realized, as long as I had a good builder, was it was actually really fun going out looking at land, just trying to figure out what 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 to do with a specific property. So yeah, that that's that's essentially what we did. Is I, I found my builder. And then we we just he started coming out with me and started looking at land. And that was super helpful because I live in the mountains. And I when I first started, I, I didn't really have the eye. Like I, I grew up in the Midwest in Michigan where it's like everything's flat. So it's like when I saw any type of incline, I was like, nope, we're not building on this. But my builder who grew up here, he was very, very helpful and sort of just allowing me to like teaching me how to figure out where, where to place these houses and stuff. So we ended up purchasing four acres for a very good price. We designed an A-frame and we put our first A-frame uh, on, on that land. And right now we're building two more there. And then we're also, I took on my first investor this year. So we're, we're building two log cabins as well. So yeah, that's essentially how I got started. It, it sort of just came out of necessity. And I would say that right now in 2020 with like how crazy prices are with houses, like it, it it's more true than ever that it's like, we're, we're sticking to this building model because it, it's just, we have more control over what the property looks like instead of purchasing or getting a property and then having to sort of go in there and figure out how to turn it into a vacation rental where we design these properties with a vacation, like even with the tiny houses, like they have a maid closet, they have a, a clean, like a, a washer dryer room, like the tiny houses, it's like everything is designed to be a vacation rental. So what's the process look like to buy land? I imagine there's no, there's no Zillow for, land i think where you can just no go there and, there is um there but is? we um I, i already had my real estate license but the last piece of land we purchased i actually and um i actually used a real estate agent because what i learned was just because i had my real estate license didn't mean that i was really good with land and that's what i'd recommend to anyone who's first starting out is go on to google and actually look up a real estate agent that specifically deals and land. They're going to have the context. They're going to have the people that you need to talk to, to do the due diligence on the land and stuff. So I would say the process to find the land is finding a real estate agent that's very familiar with, with land purchases. Um, the, the agent that I ended up using, like I just said, I have my real estate license, but he saved me so much money and time that the commission I would have gotten off of that piece of property would, it was nothing. And I'm going to continue to end up using him. So yeah, purchasing the land, that that's how you go about. Due diligence is a big part. We're drilling for wells where we live um, just because they are in the mountains. And then we're also putting in septic systems. So just making sure that both you, your builder, and your agent sort of know the right people to make sure that that can be permitted properly. That's that's another thing to think about. But yeah, that, that that's how I found my piece of land my last couple of pieces of land is using a land agent. So, mm. yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the the permits? Um, how do you, because I, I imagine if you just purchase, is when you purchase a piece of land, does it already come with those permits or do you need to request those with yeah. local authorities? No, absolutely. No, that's, so it's going to be, obviously it's going to be different everywhere. I would go on uh, to your county website and sort of look up where your zoning laws are at and sort of our zoning laws is only like 100 pages, which is nothing compared to like where I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, which is like thousands. But I would look up those zoning laws. I would honestly, the, the people, the people who work in these zoning departments, um, you can get a head, like you can get a hold of the person who's in charge pretty easily. Um, like I have a, I have a Zoom call scheduled with the person in charge of all the zoning next week. Uh, for the the community that we're building next year, and 
where we live, it, as long as it's three and under, you don't need like a vacation rental complex permit. It's not really a big deal to get that permit, but most of the time the permits do come with it because it, it's the the land that's zoned. As long as the land is zoned for short-term rentals, because um, short-term rentals are not like new, like they've, they've been around for a while. The way we get guests and the technology and stuff is, is the new stuff. So yeah, I would say if you have any questions, just contact like your zoning department. I'm sure they'll help you. I know in, in the city here in Asheville, so all of our properties are in the county. They're not directly in the city. We did, we, we did that one because Asheville was becoming very, very strict with vacation rentals. And if I was taking on a mortgage and sort of now taking on partners, I didn't really feel comfortable with, with sort of taking on that much money and that much risk with them potentially getting rid of vacation rentals in the city. Um, so all of our properties are within 15 minutes of the city. And that actually worked out better for us because when COVID hit, everyone got out of the cities and sort of sort of wanted to be in the log cabins, the A-frames in the woods and drive into the city. So for our city, that helped us a lot. So Awesome. Um, let's dive a little bit deeper into what else do you need on the land? For example, there's got to be a road. Yeah, yeah. So... so and that's another good question. A really good thing that I like to follow. So the last piece of property that we just purchased, which was like back in February, um, it was three acres. I looked at up close to a hundred properties online before I even went out to go look at um, the properties in person. Now, what I recommend to people who are sort of looking to do this remotely, and maybe they don't live in the city that that they want to invest in, is I do recommend having some sort of boots on the ground when it comes to looking at the land. And the reason being is right now, I only purchase land that is connected to some sort of road, or if we have access to putting in some sort of road. The last two properties we built connected right up into a road. Um, we had to put in, say, like a, a gravel, like a two lane gravel road to get up to the property. But when you start getting into like the bigger, bigger projects, say like four to six, so like next this year we're doing four, next year we're doing six. Say like the, the one that we're doing six next year has if all the properties are rented out for the day and it's max occupancy for each each property, you're looking at 34 guests on your complex. So that's that's like maybe 12 to 15 cars that are driving in a day. So having access to like some sort of state maintained road it, it is is very important. Now you you can get pretty creative and get pretty good deals on properties that are like landlocked, but keep in mind landlocked being like you can't get to them and say like your neighbors own the the land next to it. Um, I would sort of stay away from those if you're just starting off, just because you, you're going to have to negotiate with the neighbor in some way. And I, I've dealt with that with the first piece of property I bought. And people are very touchy with their land. And I mean, they have the right to. You're the new person coming into the neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, when it comes to the road I, right now, I only invest in properties that for the most part have a direct access to the land where the the, the the state maintained road is connected to the land. And then we will go in and put in a, some sort of gravel road. The way we find where to put that gravel road is we have a landslide consultant, and this is sort of getting into the advanced stuff, but we have a landslide consultant that sort of has access to like satellite LIDAR data that sort of looks at the entire elevation of what the land that we purchase. And there, he's the person who will like place the houses and make a recommendation on where the road goes and stuff. So, yeah, that makes sense. What about electricity? Yeah, huge one, man. Huge one. So the first property we built, actually, the the, the A-frame, that was a huge, that was the biggest lesson I learned from that project. So we built 
it was connected to a road. It was a it was a private road, but it was it was a, a paved road coming up to the the four acres. I didn't know, and my, my builder didn't catch it. My agent didn't catch it that the land didn't have access to electricity. That we needed to get some sort of easement from uh, the neighbors uh, to bring electricity to the property. I didn't think that was going to be that big of a deal because the neighbor below me, or has a uh, has a beautiful Airbnb with a mountain view, just like mine. We're both Airbnb hosts. That she's going to be nice about it. But I mean, again, it's it's her land. She can do whatever we want. Same thing with the neighbor on the other side. We built that uh, first cabin with a generator because none of the neighbors would give us electricity. That was like, we had a fully built house at the end and we didn't have any electricity to get to it. So we played around with solar, but um, just we had to take down too many trees. And we did end up getting the electricity. It was just, we had it, we had to go like the three times the distance completely around my neighbors, which we were lucky that another neighbor had said yes to that. But yeah, making sure that electricity is a big one. Another one that I learned about a year ago is if you're doing internet or like set, you're probably going to be doing some sort of satellite internet with the land that you're purchasing. Just making sure that if you do, if you're doing direct TV or if you're doing any type of satellite TV, satellite internet, bringing out the company you can pay i think that you pay them like 50 to 75 dollars for the their team to come out and just verifying where the internet's going to go where the direct tv is going to go and stuff like that um, and that also helps you when before you even have your crew out there to tell your builder hey take down these three massive trees because they, we can't get internet because the trees are in the way um, same thing with the electricity company um, you can contact your electricity company and they can tell you like hey you know th- there's there's no way to get electricity to this land without talking to the neighbor so yeah so you got to make friends with the neighbors first oh absolutely i mean that's 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 true that's true even outside of the electricity thing just making sure probably, that you're uh, on good terms with the neighbors it's probably just book their that's, airbnb that's a big one. first book their airbnb first yeah, the first thing they view. think about is parties when they hear airbnb which is not true but it's like they they would go oh, you said like one of your neighbors had had their own airbnb no Yeah, they did. Um, I mean, that the property that's right below us, that's connect the like adjacent the the land that's adjacent to us. It, that that was an Airbnb. So I thought she was good. She's super cool. Uh, it's just she she just didn't want to give us that easement. So do do you think she was worried about the competition? Or? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that that wasn't going to stop us. We just dropped all this money on the land. We we're gonna, yeah. These are kind of the 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 boxes that you have to tick off. You have to figure out. Is there easy access by road? Is there easy access for electricity, satellite, internet? And then you have to make sure that you're you're able to install that septic tank that you're Yeah, so uh, yeah, the septic tank and the the well. The well is a little bit of the that's the biggest unknown if you don't have access to city sewer. Um we don't really deal with like natural gas or propane. All of our appliances are electric. Um so that's another thing I'd recommend is like if you don't just to skip a step so you don't have to have like a propane tank going up there every like couple months it's just i would recommend all electric appliances hot water heaters everything but yeah the the septic system you can um if you're using a land agent i'm sure they'll they'll have someone to he's called a soil scientist that's the person that you send out there to like put a couple holes in the ground and figure out if the the land um it's called perking if the land will perk to be able to accept a, a septic system for it to be able to get the permit well permits are pretty easy to get you can go on your county website and sort of figure out look at your neighbors well permits depending on how old the property is and sort of see how far they had to dig down and honestly that that's been a pretty good that's been a pretty good gauge 
when it comes to like budgeting for a well, I would go on the higher end compared to the lower end when you see like your neighbor's depths and stuff. So, cause like we just, we, the, the A-frame, we had to dig like, like 850 feet, which is insanity to me. I just think about like, I just think about like where I grew up or like visiting Chicago, like you think of like the John Hancock building or something. And it's like, we dug 85 stories down into the ground, which is wow. crazy. That's yeah. nuts. So, and, and then what happens? You suddenly find water and it just comes out. Yeah. Find water or it's like the, the groundwater sort of fills up the, the tube or the pipe that's put in the ground. And then that water is sort of taken through a filter a filtration system under, under the house. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you, you get the water tested after that to make sure there isn't anything crazy. And then based off of the water test, they sort of, you'll, you'll sort of get a, a recommendation on what type of water filter system you need to use. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you dig like 300 feet? What do you say? 800 feet? Yeah. 800, 800. Yeah. Yeah. It's a massive semi truck looking machine. Um, it has like this huge thing and they just, it's like they put one, they put one pipe in the ground and then they feed another one. And it, it, it's just, it just keeps digging and digging. It's crazy. Um, it's loud. Your neighbors aren't going to like you that day. So <laughs> is it possible? Like you hit some sort of a big rock or something and you have to. Yeah. The, the, those, those machines will go straight again. through it. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't really? matter. Yeah. They go straight, right, through, go straight through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. And the, the weird thing about, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a professional when it comes to this stuff, uh, like the well stuff, but it's like, you can't really predict exactly where that water is going to be at. So that's the biggest unknown when it comes to budgeting. So we like to do the, the primary property with an accessory dwelling unit just for loan purposes. And, but we all like in, in our County, our County will allow us to have one well per two dwellings when, it, if you do it that way as long as the, the well produces, we always budget a, a well per property just in case one is not enough. And it's good. Like, I, I mean, it costs about like maybe 13 to 15 grand to dig one well. So it's like, if we budget that, if we budget for an extra well and that money, we don't have to spend that money. It's just, it's there just in case. So Due to COVID, it's now more important than ever that your guests actually read your house rules and check-in instructions. And there's no better way to deliver that information than by using an online Hostfully guidebook. You can build your guidebook in just a few hours and simply include a link to your guidebook in your welcome email. Your guests can access it on desktop, on mobile, and they can even print it out. Now, as a result, you look super professional, your guests have a better experience as they don't have to read through endless paragraphs of text. Instead, they can go through a nice looking guidebook with lots of visuals. That means fewer questions for you, more time for you to focus on other areas of your hosting business. Sign up now at hostfully.com and use code PAD to get your first two months for free. That's hostfully.com, H-O-S-T-F-U-L-L-Y dot com code pad which is p-a-d let's talk a bit about the actual construction of the of the property right you need to hire a contractor you need to hire a architect i imagine yeah so the the art so contractor i mean you can you can go on um your local building association and just start to start interviewing people go on their website sort of figure out what properties they've built and stuff i will say that it find someone who's actually like pretty passionate about building smaller houses. I wouldn't necessarily say, so we build anywhere between 300 square foot, which is a tiny house to upwards. I don't, I don't like to go over 2000 square foot. 
2000, you can, you can fit eight people in 2000 square feet, but we stick to that range. Uh, like the first one we built was about 800 square foot, but just make sure that your builder is like pretty passionate about what you what you guys are doing. My builder definitely is super excited about like these unique property. Some, some builders just like to build the one home that's copy and pasted in the whole neighborhood. So just making sure that your builder is up to date on that. When it comes to an architect, I started by first getting ideas on like Pinterest and Instagram and stuff. And it's funny because my builder and I both have a Pinterest account and we just share ideas back and forth. Like we share our boards and stuff. Say like when it comes to like the interior designing part, I'll see like a really cool kitchen. and I'm like, I'll send that directly to him. But when it comes to the actual architect, I will get a whole bunch of different ideas from Instagram and YouTube. YouTube's awesome because you can actually walk through the properties that are already built. Pinterest, Google. And then I recently started doing this and it's been super, super helpful. Um, I did a video on it for my YouTube channel. Um, I actually go on Fiverr and you can actually find phenomenal, relatively cheap architects on Fiverr. In my YouTube video, I sort of recommend the one that I use. I walked through everything, but I mean, I had, I had two custom floor plans with 3D renderings, two of them done for like about $900, which is incredible compared to some of the more custom architects and designers and draftsmen that are out there. The issue with finding an architect, say like locally, or even, even if you go with like a more like high end design firm is they're used to building one property. That's like going to be this person, a person's home. And it's like a, probably going to be a more high end property. Sort of the niche that we have found recently was to like build these luxury looking properties, just very small, the 300 to a thousand square foot. Um, and people absolutely love them. Like they'll, they'll choose that over a hotel all day, all day. You can purchase pre-built, uh, pre-made plans, which we've done before. Uh, Dan Outdoors is a company that we recently found. Really good support team. They have some really cool plans, some A-frames, some like, uh, like farmhouse type looking houses. And that's actually what we're going to be building next year. The log cabins, the A-frames, those are sort of like timeless when it comes to like, those will never go out of style in my opinion. Everyone's always going to be wanting to stay in something like that. Tree houses as well. Right on. Um, so you talked about the architects. That's really funny. I, I would never think of Fiverr to find a architect. I, yeah, right. I, don't know, I, I associate that platform with, you know, low kind of low value Design. tasks. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe like ads or like Canva designs or something, but right. yeah, no, they, it took some looking to find one, but we, we found a really good one that I recommend in that video that it, it's just, it took about 21 days to turn around. But the, the nice thing about that too, is like, say if some, say you pay for something and it, you don't, you don't like it and you have a disagreement with the architect about like price or just the design, you can go directly to Fiverr and get your money back compared to like, say like a local architect where it's like, you might be stuck with what they give you if they don't want to like continue to update it. So true. Yeah. True. Any advice when it comes to the contractors, the builders, you said, uh, you know, find somebody who's passionate about what you're doing. Do you have any more tips on like how to work with them, what to look out for stuff like that? Yeah. So when you're, when you're first starting, when you have like one property, obviously that this has sort of been something that I've ran into, it's like, just because something's not happening at the property for two days or three days, sometimes like you can get aggravated about that. Cause it's like, say if it's like beautiful weather outside and there's no work being done. You might not know that like, maybe the builder is like working to get the permits done or waiting for the city or waiting for like specific contractors. So making sure that you have a builder that's like 
very good at communicating. The first property we did, we just had a Google Doc that would just get updated on the daily or maybe every other day. We haven't done it yet, but like the, the six properties that we're doing next year, we're, we're, we're investing in a system with like actual communication and stuff we'll like build up a specific builder platform. But another thing for the builder is if your lender, and we'll talk about lenders in a second, I'm sure, but if your lender doesn't give you a closing draw, which means like a draw at cl the closing table for you to be able to start the projects, which a lot of lenders now don't, it's important for your builder to be able to have some sort of line of credit so they can start the work and then get reimbursed for the work that gets done. That's been tricky because when I first started with my builder, it, he was he was a friend or he is a friend. We sort of grew together, but it's like we had to get either close. We had to convince the lender to give us a closing draw. And if they wouldn't give us a closing draw, we sort of had to make up that money on our end and then get reimbursed for it. Um, so that's a big one is uh, making sure that your builder sort of has some sort of line of credit to be able to mm -hmm. to start the work if, if the lender won't, won't give the money up, up front. Yeah, so let's talk more about lenders. How do you find, how do you finance something like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely, man. So this has actually been the biggest part of the whole journey so far in the last couple of years is I've probably talked to 300 lenders at this point. You had had uh, someone from Host Financial. Um, I had recently talked to him and a phenomenal company. That's who we're using now. And the reason we're using them for the six projects next year is because, um, It is the only company I've seen so far that will look at air DNA projections, not just uh, there are some companies that will lend on vacation rentals with like if it already has a history of being rented out. But host financial, they didn't offer them last year. And I don't even think they offered it like six months ago, but they do offer construction loans now. They will underwrite the property based off of those projections. They won't really they'll look at your credit. But they won't look at like your income or anything. They'll they'll just look at how much the property can rent for. It's called a a, a debt service coverage ratio. Um, they just look for a specific number there, which is, which is phenomenal. No other lender is doing it that way. When we first started, we actually just got a normal home loan. We were intending to live in the property, not intending to live, but we had told the lender that we were going to intend to live in the property. And then I got married, and we just ended up we wanted something a little bigger. You can start with a regular home loan. I've done a video on that too, where I discuss how you can get a home loan, sort of live in it for like six months and sort of step away from it. As long as the lender is getting paid, honestly, I, I don't really see any bad thing about that. The lender will check up to make sure that you've actually moved in on the house the first like month or so. But like, I mean, life changes, things happen where it's like you, you can move away. And it's like, I've, I've heard of, that's like sort of like the bigger pockets, like thing with like, like the Burr strategy where it's like you you purchase like a threeplex and like live in one and rent out the other two and eventually move out. So it's the same idea. So it's like people get a little touchy sometimes when I talk about that, but I mean, it's, it's the same idea. People have been doing it forever now, last like 20 or 30 years. I've always wondered, what, what is that brr strategy? What is the abbreviation? What does it stand for? But buy, renovate, rent, and refinance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a strategy that I guess became popular with bigger pockets where it's like purchase a property, rehab it, rent it out, refinance it, get your money out and then uh and then continue to rent it. Okay. That's a phenomenal strategy. You can do that with that's essentially what we're doing with the vacation rentals. Now we're building two units at a time per plot and then you can live in one of them. The, the, this is the strategy if if you're just starting out, say it's like um host financial won't underwrite you, but you can get a loan 
I'd recommend like building two little properties, living in one of them, rent out the other one. And then once the money starts coming in, maybe live in it for like six months and then move out and rent out both of them. That's, that's another thing. Yeah. That's very powerful stuff. Yeah, that's cool that you use the host financial. They're good friend, good friends of mine. So shout out to Adam and Daniel at uh, yeah, Adam at Host Financial. Uh, actually, they were on the podcast episode three hundred and fifteen. So if you're listening and you want, that's know how I found them. Oh, that's how you found them. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. I found it. I found it through you, and I, I called them. Uh, Adam got on the phone with me. Oh man, he's nice. the, he's one he's one of the leaders of the company. So yeah, yeah, I remember I had beers with him in San Diego before. Oh, really? Before COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was still allowed. Yeah, so episode 315, uh, anyone listening interested in doing that, there's a podcast that hosts financials. So um, awesome. Any any uh, last pieces of advice before we start wrapping up this podcast? Yeah, man. Um, I would say uh, for anyone who's like looking to build these uh, or start building like to sort of running into the same issue that I ran when I first started where it's like they're, they're constantly getting bitted out or just constantly competing for these properties. And it's like the issue is you're also like as a vacation rental investor, you're competing with people who also want to live in these houses who are honestly probably willing to pay more than you. So it's like if you're running into that, I would say do your research and really try to really try to find the perfect piece of property and really try to design it right. The uniqueness of your property is going to help it so much. It, as hosts, we think about how we can sort of get more money for our property. If we, if we put in an extra sofa bed, we can sleep more people. But I'll tell you, the mo- the, one of the most powerful things you can do is just design the house right for it to look nice. Where, where like A-frames do really well, log cabins do really well, the treehouse thing does really well. Just designing the properties to make sure that they look phenomenal and that will trump any of your competition. And I didn't really talk on the treehouses too much, but I, um, I plan on doing a YouTube video uh, down the road uh, on that on that specific topic. But yeah, that's sort of what I just recommend doing is if you do d- decide to go down this route, just making sure that you're building really unique properties. Just think about like, would you take your family? Would you take your significant other to stay in this in, in the property that you're building? We're sort of building them on the more higher end, not really materials. Like they do look like higher end properties. So it's like you are going to get more of that higher end guest, which helps helps with with like not really messaging too much and not many too many problems. So yeah, just the unique properties are going to, are, are in my opinion, the next 10 years are just going to do so much more than what's on the market right now. So, and it's starting to come on the market now. Yeah. Yeah, man, 100% agree. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We could probably just, we could do a whole podcast about why unique stays are going to dominate in the next yeah. year. So uh, we won't get into that too deep here, but, um, but yeah, man, I appreciate your time. It's super cool what you're doing. And uh, so for people who want to know more about what you're doing with your YouTube channel, Alex Builds, I just search for it on YouTube and it's there's a lot of YouTube channels that are called Alex Build. Oh no. So the best yeah, yeah. way the best way to find you is actually go to getpaidforyourpad.com, check out the show Perfect. notes of this podcast, yeah. and I'll put a link to the YouTube channel so you can watch some of some of uh, Alex's uh, uh, YouTube videos if you're interested in this topic. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Uh, yeah, if, if if they're looking for it, I know it's difficult to find right now because we just started the YouTube channel. It's like a little it looks like a little treehouse logo. It's, it's a blue treehouse logo if you're looking for it. Most of the stuff that pops into my head, I make a YouTube video about. If you guys have any questions about anything, leave them in the comments. And I'll, um, if, if you want, if you guys want like a specific video made on anything, um, I'll, I'll probably 
probably do that. Just blast it in the comments. Um, we're also taking on investors right now. So um, if anyone's not really looking to do this on their end, or if they just don't have too much time, we're taking on investors for next year's projects. I, I'd like to get to 40 in the next couple of years, building 40. We have the systems in place to do that. So we can schedule like a one-on-one, just email me at alexbuildschannel at gmail.com. And then we can sort of schedule a call and sort of talk about what our investments look like. So that's A-L-E-X-B-U-I-L-D-S channel at gmail.com. Awesome, man. Once you get to the 40 properties, uh, you should join our uh, Legends Mastermind. Oh, I'd love to, man. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to. (laughs) Really awesome. Uh, All right, Alex, thank you so much for your time. It was really interesting. You learned a lot. So appreciate your time. And uh, to the listeners, thank you for listening or watching on YouTube. Uh, If you are on YouTube, give this video a like, but then also go over to Alex's channel and uh, subscribe. So let's let's try and get into 100. Because when you get to 100, you can uh, claim your own uh, URL. So then it's easy to talk to your your channel. So that uh, that makes that easier. All right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Jasper. Get paid for your pet. 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 If you have over 30 units, you have an annual revenue of over $2 million or you operate boutique hotels, then the STR Legend Mastermind is for you. You are not alone. We have a group of over 30 high-level entrepreneurs in our mastermind, and we get together on a weekly basis to discuss our biggest challenges and to learn and to grow together. Go to strlegends.com to find out more information and apply for the Legends Mastermind if you think you are a good fit.